Hello, and welcome to our special Resurrection Sunday message. In today's message, Pastor Myron continues in our Easter sermon series titled Easter According to John. This week's message is titled The Tomb is Empty, from John chapter 20. Harvest Family guests, we have been blessed this weekend with an amazing, amazing weekend of ministry. Starting on Friday morning, we're so grateful for the technical crew throughout the weekend, for our actors on Good Friday, for the singers, musicians throughout this weekend, for Pastor Sherry's leadership. What a blessing. It has been a wonderful Holy Week weekend. Now, I was reflecting recently on something that made me smile. It happened at another time, another place, different faith community, but it was Easter Sunday. And I was standing in the foyer of the church, and service had started already. I'm not sure why I was in the foyer, but I was. When one of our students, Josh, looking a little disheveled, sauntered into church. And that was just Josh. It was all good. But the greeter went over to Josh, extended a warm handshake to welcome him to Easter Sunday service. And the greeter said joyfully, he is risen. And Josh replied, yeah, I know. I just woke up. We declare today, he is risen, he is risen indeed. As we continue in our teaching series from the Gospel of John, on your device or in your Bible, I invite you to find John chapter 20. John chapter 20, the Apostle John's account of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 20. Let's pick it up with verses 1 and 2. Verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter the other, and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Early on that first Easter Sunday morning, before sunrise, in the darkness, a woman out of deep love and devotion for the Lord Jesus Christ, Mary of Magdala, she made her way to the place where Jesus had been buried. Our Lord Jesus Christ had set Mary free from the kingdom of darkness and filled with love for her Savior and gratitude to him for what he had done to set her free. She made her way to the tomb. Apparently, she was not intimidated at going to a cemetery or even a cemetery in the darkness. She wasn't intimidated at the prospect of encountering Roman guards when she arrived there. She went to the tomb out of a loving devotion for the Lord Jesus. But when she arrived, what she discovered arrested her. Now she was filled with apprehension. For the tomb was wide open, the large heavy stone had been rolled away, and what was going on? The Roman centurions were nowhere to be found. Immediately, she assumed that the authorities had come and they had taken the body of Jesus. I mean, what else could explain what had happened? And so she ran back to tell the others. Verse 3. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place separate from the others. These verses reflect the most detailed description of the empty tomb in all of the Gospels. 
And as scripture has told us, once Peter and John heard the word from Mary of Magdala, they raced for the tomb. And evidently the apostle John had a little bit more game than the other guy because he got there first. And upon arriving at the tomb, John didn't go into it, but he peered into the tomb. And inside, he noted a bewildering sight. The grave clothes that Jesus' body had been wrapped in were laying there inside the tomb. Neatly beside it was the piece that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. And John was filled with questions. If the authorities had truly come and taken Jesus' body, why didn't they take the body, grave clothes, and all? By now, the apostle Peter had arrived, and brushing past John, he stepped fully into the tomb, and he surveyed the scene as well. He also concurred that Jesus' body definitely was not there. He also noted the grave clothes neatly set out. The inside of the tomb gave no indication of the haste that would be associated with a theft. No signs of vandalism. It was as if the body of Jesus had been raised right out of the grave clothes, leaving the cocoon, so to speak, behind. Now the Apostle John, he stepped back into the tomb, verse 8. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. When John stepped back into that tomb and he looked at the grave clothes, he pondered the circumstantial evidence. And he arrived at one inescapable and incredible conclusion. The Lord Jesus Christ had risen right out of the grave clothes, leaving them behind. Jesus was alive, and right then and there, John believed. As he goes on to tell us, he and his fellow disciples had not yet collected the dots with respect to the prophetic Old Testament scriptures that predicted this very moment and day. But right then and there, John believed in the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, you might be surprised to know that a majority of Canadians, a majority of our fellow Canadians, also believe with the Apostle John in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. A few years ago, an Ipsos Reid survey came out and noted that 52% of Canadians believe that Jesus was the Son of God, crucified, dead and buried, and raised to life on the third day, 52%. When you think about it, it just makes sense, doesn't it? That millions of our fellow Canadians and hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of millions of people the world over would believe in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. After all, our Lord's resurrection was accomplished history and it didn't happen in secret. In fact, if you took all of the people to whom the resurrected Christ appeared before he ascended into heaven... If you took all of those people and gave them 15 minutes to speak to their eyewitness, first-person account of the risen Lord Jesus Christ, and let's say you were going to launch an inquiry, did Jesus really rise from the dead? You took all of the people that Jesus appeared to, you gave them all 15 minutes, and your inquiry is going to run Monday to Friday and eight hours a day, there would be first-person eyewitness testimony of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ starting tomorrow and right through to the end of the month. I mean, how could anybody, after all of that eyewitness testimony, walk away unconvinced? 
with the Apostle John. Here this morning at Harvest Hills Alliance Church, we too declare, we believe. Amen? We believe in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We believe that the Lord Jesus Christ was declared to be the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead. We believe that by his perfect life, death, and resurrection, our Lord Jesus Christ has secured forgiveness, salvation, and life eternal for all who choose to receive it by faith. We believe And we believe that our Lord Jesus Christ conquered death. And so, dear Harvest family, and some of our dear ones who over these last 12 months have grieved the loss of a loved one. And for those loved ones who have died in the Lord Jesus Christ, we believe that a glorious day of resurrection is coming and a joyful reunion of all God's people. And we believe because Christ is risen from the dead. In the verses now that follow, the Lord Jesus, the risen Christ, had an encounter with Mary of Magdala. And then skip down to verse 19. For Jesus was about to appear before his disciples. They were huddled together in Jerusalem somewhere, perhaps in the upper room. But they were hiding. They were fearful. They were rattled. They didn't know what was going on. I envision the Apostle John trying to explain to his friends, I'm telling you, I went in the tomb. The clothes were there. Jesus was not. I'm convinced he's risen. I don't know where he is, but I know where he's not. And all of a sudden, Jesus moved into the the midst of his friends. And when he did, he gave them and he gives us two precious grace gifts. First of all, Jesus gives us peace. Verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Shalom. After he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. On the evening of that first Easter Sunday, Jesus all of a sudden just showed up in the midst of his disciples. He didn't knock on the door. They didn't have to open it for him. Kaboom. He teleported into their midst. And he confessed over them, Shalom. Peace be with you. And then he showed them his hands. He showed them his side. He was indeed the risen Lord Jesus Christ who just three days earlier had died on the cross of Calvary. And the disciples, of course, were overjoyed at the appearance of the Lord Jesus in their midst. Now think of the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace be with you. Friends, the most powerful and fundamental peace that the Lord Jesus Christ brings into the life of every person who will receive it is peace with God. Peace with God. Now each of us knows what relational tension is like. Like when we're off with someone else, it's an awkward feeling. It's an uncomfortable feeling. We know what relational tension feels like when there's conflict in a relationship. Like say, for example, when two or three Sundays ago... I stand up here and say, this year my wife is turning 60. Only she's not. She's turning 59 this year. Oops, relational tension. We're okay. But you know what relational tension feels like. 
when we are in our sins and trespasses before we yield our lives in faith to Jesus, there's relational tension between us and a holy God. There's enmity between us and God. We're at odds with each other because God is holy and we surely are not. But our Lord Jesus Christ came into this world living the perfect life we could never live and then he made a once-for-all sacrifice on the cross of Calvary and he was raised to life three days later so that all who would confess their sins and turn in faith to Jesus as their only Savior and Lord could be restored to peace, to relationship with Almighty God, the enmity gone. And this by the grace of God to us through Jesus Christ. Paul describes that in this way. Romans 5 verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. When we're in Christ Jesus by faith such that we have peace with God, we can now live in the peace of God. Think of that evening. The disciples were huddled. They were rattled. They were fearful. And all of a sudden, Jesus teleported into their midst. And he said to them, peace be with you. It tells me, it reminds me, it reminds us that our Lord Jesus can and does move into our lives and he's uninhibited and he can move into the darkest recesses of our innermost being. Nothing can stop him. And he does that in mercy, grace, and compassion to bring his supernatural peace to our hearts. And on that evening in which Jesus appeared to his disciples, he showed up in their midst, and I love how he showed up. He didn't show up saying, I told you so, like seriously, guys. He came into their midst, and he met them where they were at and ministered shalom. Peace be with you to them. Our Lord Jesus doesn't wait for us to get our act together when we're struggling. He comes to us in mercy, in our anxieties, in our fears. And he ministers to us his beautiful, powerful, supernatural shalom. Jesus gives us peace and Jesus gives us power. That night, the resurrected Christ to his disciples ministered the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 21. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. They were going to get to join Jesus on mission to make disciples who could make disciples going forward. Verse 22, and then, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. In those moments, the Lord Jesus breathed the Spirit of God over his disciples so that they would be empowered supernaturally. To live for God and to join Jesus on mission. In just seven weeks time, the full expression of the outpouring of the Spirit of God would happen in Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit was poured out and the church was birthed. But on that night, the first Easter Sunday, in the evening, Jesus breathed the Spirit of God over his friends. Fellow followers of Jesus. As the Father sent our Lord, how blessed and privileged are we that for us this day, as for the disciples of Christ in that day, He too sends us. But here's the thing. The power that we need to walk like Jesus, 
to live in the right ways of our king and to join him on mission such that lives are impacted for eternity, we don't have that in ourselves. But in the power of the Spirit of God, we do. And so the Lord Jesus reminds us today, live, my friends, in the power of his Holy Spirit. How do we live in the fullness of the Spirit of God? Friends, this is what the Word of God says. It commands us. Do not be drunk on wine. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? It means to be dominated in our intellect, emotions, and will by the Spirit of God. Such that we think and talk and act like Jesus would. To be filled with the Spirit of God. To receive this gift that Jesus breathed over his disciples. That he offers to us today. It begins with us confessing deeply. And yielding fully to the Lord Jesus. Romans 12 verse 1. Present your bodies a living sacrifice to God. And then with thanksgiving to God. That for everyone who is in Christ Jesus by faith, we're indwelled by the Spirit of the living Christ. We ask the Spirit indwelling us to fill us, to control us, to dominate every aspect of us, and live the life of Christ through us. And we accept the same by faith. In this regard, the filling of the Spirit is an event. But it's also a process. It's a daily spiritual practice. That verse, Ephesians 5.18, literally says, Keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. So every day, we step into our day and we thank you, God, that I get to walk with you. Thank you for the joy of this day. To be with those who are precious with me, I get to walk in the rightness of your ways. I get to join you on mission. Now, Lord Jesus, this day, I yield my life to you. Be the king of my life. I surrender to you and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I accept the same by faith and by the mighty power of the Spirit of God which Jesus breathed over his disciples. We are empowered to walk like Jesus and to join him on mission as his followers, as disciples of Christ, to make disciples who can make disciples. On one occasion when my wife and I had the joyful privilege of visiting our international workers in North Africa, We had an amazing experience of the power and presence of the Spirit of God. One day we were hanging out with our friend Dave. And there were a couple of gentlemen there. And they began to speak excitedly to Dave in Arabic. And of course we wondered what they were saying. And Dave said, oh, they're thanking you in grace for bringing light to their land. And we assumed that was a gracious, kind, warm greeting, uh, thoughtful of them, and metaphorical, of course, like a smile lights up a room. Dave said, nope, that's not what they're saying. They are perceiving an actual light coming from you and Grace. And they say that often about us and our fellow international workers. And they let us know regularly that this is amazing, and this is not normal, and the light emanates from the heart. As we went about and interacted with the people in that beautiful North African land in those days, on many occasions, people came up to us and said, thank you for bringing light to our country. It was profoundly moving and deeply humbling and for our international workers in that city of 20 million people. And there are just a handful of them. It's David versus Goliath. They find such hope and encouragement in knowing That in that deeply religious but spiritually dark place, the spirit of the living Christ within them 
is shining the light of Jesus to people who perceive it everywhere that they go. Now, here's the thing, my friends. If you're in Christ Jesus by faith, then the spirit of the living Christ is within you as well. Amen? The light of the living Lord Jesus is within us. So in these days, let's press together into the Lord Jesus. Let's ask his Holy Spirit to fill us. Let's accept that filling by faith. And let's step out there and let your light shine. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, how grateful we are as we reflect on this Easter weekend of the glory of who you are and what you have done. We reflect on the greatest act of self-effacing, condescending humility this universe has ever seen when the king from all eternity stepped out of glory to be born as a tiny baby in Bethlehem. And we reflect with joy and gratitude, Jesus, on your sinless life. And that Friday, when you willing, out of your love for us, went to the cross of Calvary, giving yourself as the perfect sacrifice for our sins, dying in our place, we reflect with such deep gratitude. And then, Lord Jesus, that three days later, on Easter Sunday morning, you would be raised to life, and you're alive evermore. And by your spirit, you're indwelling each of your people. We're deeply grateful, Lord Jesus Christ, for who you are and for all that you have done for us. Jesus, we pray in your mighty name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for a special Resurrection Sunday message. Today, we were reminded that through the cross of Jesus, we're able to receive both peace and power. Jesus came and defeated sin and death as he rose victoriously from the grave, making available relationship with God. The risen Christ by his spirit is in you. So lean into Jesus, ask his spirit to fill you, and for the glory of the risen Lord, let your light shine. If you're experiencing challenges or hardships and would like prayer for anything going on in your life, or if you'd like to learn more about how you can experience the love of God and begin a relationship with Jesus, please email help at hhhchurch.com. That's help, H-E-L-P, at H for Harvest, H for Hills, A for Lions, Church, C-H-U-R-C-H.com. We'd love to talk with you and pray with you to help you experience the love that is available to us in Christ Jesus. Now these words from Hebrews 13, 20, and 21. And may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. May God bless you as you go into the remainder of your day to be the hands, feet, and voice of Jesus.